And as we were singing it, I felt like the Lord said, go outside and get a brick. So I did. And uh, I even felt like he told me where to go because we don't have bricks like this laying around the property. But I felt like he told me where to go and I went there and voila, there was this brick. Just what I wanted, uh, or at least what he told me to get. And as we were singing that song, each of us, this is us. He is building us into a brick. He's building our lives to make us steady. This is the series we've been in, Built to Last. And every part of what he's doing in our lives is like, if we ground this down, it would be like powder, it'd be like sand. And every word, every time we read the scripture, every time we pray, it's like adding one grain of sand to this brick. And sometimes, because it's like one grain of sand at a time, it's like we don't see what he's doing until we step back and realize, oh yeah, I I see it because it's just one brick at a time. Some of you that serve each week as greeters or or teachers or nursery workers or uh, you you don't see what God is doing because your service sometimes feels like just a, a grain of sand and yet but God is building us all together into a spiritual house. See all these bricks on this wall over here. Which of those bricks is not important? They're all important. I mean, we might make an argument that the ones on the bottom are more important than the ones on the the top, but the top ones are more visible to us than the ones on the bottom. If I put an X on that bottom brick over there, some of you wouldn't notice it, but if I put an X on that brick up there, everyone would see it because it's easier to see. But all of those bricks are important. If they weren't important, then they wouldn't all be there, right? We don't put unimportant, because those bricks cost money. Each brick costs money. And when they were building this church, they would not have put a brick there that they didn't need to put there because there wasn't just extra money laying around. So there was only important bricks. God says all of us are being built together into a spiritual house, and every part is important just like that wall. And when we start, if we were to take bricks out, we would notice that, and things could get in. Heaven help us, things get in anyway. Even when, when, there, are, when there are bricks, there's critters all over the place. Just, there's not critters, yeah, there are. But anyway. And so we need all those bricks. And if you're, you're one of those bricks and you're not doing what God has called you to do or asked you to do, there's a big hole wherever that brick is. You think if I don't, you know, I don't really need to go, I don't really need to plug in. This house can't get built without that brick. And I'm not exactly sure why I'm sharing that with you, but I'm gonna share that with you because we're gonna use this brick for something else. And um, I know I don't have a lot of time, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna go. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter six because we've been in this series, Built to Last, about building lives that last. We do not want to build lives that don't last. The scripture says, the one that endures to the end will be saved, not the one who starts well. King Asa started well, but he didn't finish well. And we talked about the cross and the resurrection the first day, because the brick that's most important in this house is Jesus, the cornerstone. Now, the cornerstone doesn't mean a lot to us that aren't bricklayers or from you know, Pennsylvania, the Keystone State, you know, we don't, maybe you don't notice what that cornerstone means, but the cornerstone is set in place and every other stone is, is placed according to that stone. 
So you don't decide whether this brick is straight by comparing it with the brick beside it, but you compare it to the cornerstone, and everything lines up with the cornerstone, not with each other, okay? And so we talked about Jesus because he's the foundation of this whole thing, okay? We talked about prayer, and then we talked about more prayer. Today we're going to talk about the Word of God. All of these things are like grains of sand that God is using to build us so we last and to build us together as his house. Does that make sense? And so let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. I want to put this verse in context because I I only want to look at verse 17. Ephesians 6 verse 17, but we're going to put it into context. Starting in, chap- in verse 10, chapter 6, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I feel like there should be deep, dark music playing. I should be reading in a deep... Bu- Therefore, because of all of that going on, Put on every piece of God's armor. You got to do it. If you're not putting on the armor, that, you, you can put your head in the sand, you can put a pillowcase over your head, you can do whatever you want. There is a war raging around you. And if we are not diligently putting on the armor of God, we won't stand. Hoping it happens won't make it happen. We've got to do it. So put on all of God's armor, you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, he'll hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times, on every occasion, stay alert, be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. There's a whole lot of stuff in there, but I wanna look just at verse 17. Not even at putting on salvation as your helmet, but this idea of taking the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I mean, we've all heard that verse, we know that verse, and what we assume, at least what I have assumed, when I read that verse or when I think that verse is, I I picture a sword. I picture, you know, I picture that. And I picture this Bible being the word of God. And so the word of God is my sword. But if you really take this verse and you look at the language that it was written, because it was written in Greek, you'll find that it maybe isn't what we pictured. Because the word for sword in this passage is not the long sword, but it's a dagger. It's a two-edged sword. It's a dagger. Mm. Does that make a difference? Maybe. And that word for the word of God doesn't mean the Bible. How do I know that? Because it wasn't written yet. Paul, in Ephesians 6, is writing it. And he's not writing it to you and I. When Paul was in prison, he did not believe he was writing to me and you. Now, the Holy Spirit knew he was writing to us, but Paul was writing to a church in Ephesus. And so if he's writing to them in Ephesus to take the dagger of the Spirit, 
which is the word of God, what's he mean if he doesn't mean the Bible? Well, in order to understand it, we have to look at three different words because there are three different words in the New Testament that really mean Bible, word of God, scripture that we use. These are the words. In Greek, the word graph, graphe is the word for writings. And anytime that word was used, the writings, it's referring back to the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the agreement God made with Abraham and his descendants, the Israelites. So there are scriptures, and we're going to look at a few of them, that talk about the writings, the scripture, the Old Testament, the prophet, the law, all of that. Then there are two Greek words that mean word or message. Now, some scholars say that these words mean identically the same thing and there's no difference whatsoever. It's just up to the author. Now, there are other Greek scholars that say, no, they're different in some way. The word logos, which is word or message, is more of a general word or message. And the word rhema is a specific, singular type of word or message. And I tend to agree with that group because if they doesn't matter, if it's just up to the author, why in one chapter is the author choose this word and why in this chapter does he choose a different word just for variety's sake, just to be kind of cool and to draw people in? Every time a word is used, there's a specific reason in the Greek language. And for us in English, we just translate it word and so we, we lose the sense that these mean different things. And I'm not alone in my understanding in that or my thought in that. And so as we look at a couple of these words, it's going to be important for us to keep that in mind. I want us to go first to, first to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul writing to young Timothy says, all scripture, that's the word graphe, all scripture. So when he says all scripture, Paul is not saying this Bible. He's saying the Old Testament, Timothy, the law, the prophets, the poetry books that you have is given by God, inspired by God. That literally means God breathed or exhaled from his lungs. And it's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what's right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, it's pretty exciting to me that if the Old Testament is that powerful, how much greater, as Paul says, the New Testament, the New Covenant is, how much more glorious, how much more helpful is that going to be to us? So then Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 1, uses that word, and he says, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture, there's that word again, Scripture, referring back to the Old Testament, the covenant, the law, the prophets, and all of that, never came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. Those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. What Peter is doing is saying the words that have been written down, Moses got those words from God face to face. You can bank on them things, okay? They're reliable. All of the Israelites around the mountain literally heard together the voice of God as it thundered from heaven. This is a reliable thing. The prophets heard from God. They spoke and all of it came to pass. It's reliable. You can bank yourself on the writings. They did not come because somebody came up with a creative idea. Even the words of Solomon. I mean, Solomon spoke with the Lord. All of the people were there when the Lord spoke to Solomon and his glory filled the temple. And these are reliable things. This is not just some dreamer somewhere putting these words on paper. You can count on them. 
Then in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter says, I want you to remember what the holy prophets said long ago, what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. This is what our beloved Paul, brother Paul, also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him, speaking these things in all of his letters. Some of his commandments are hard to understand, and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do the other parts of Scripture. Peter has just put the words of the Apostle Paul and the Scriptures on the same plane. So the validity that he has given to the Scriptures in the past, he's now giving to the words of the Apostle Paul, and that's important to us. That's the word Scripture. Now the word word in the Bible, some of you are going to be like, lapping this up like a dog and some of you are going to be like oh my goodness I didn't know I was in school but the word logos is found in the scripture Jesus uses the word and Luke writes it in Luke chapter 11 verse 28 Jesus replied but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice that's a message from God general type of revelation that you hear and put into practice, you're going to be blessed. In Acts chapter 12, verse 24, meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread, and there were many new believers. What does Acts chapter 12 mean? What's this word of God that's spreading everywhere? That's the message about what Jesus taught and did. The things that Jesus taught and what he did began to spread everywhere, and this is called logos in the New Testament. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, trust me, we're going to get to a point. Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. This is, again, that word logos. That's the general revelation of who God is, his message, if you will, okay? These words are, are, are important. 2 Timothy chapter 4, the apostle Paul writes to Timothy, preach the word of God. Now, up until this time, the gospels have not yet been written down. The book of Acts, Luke has not yet written it. In fact, we're still living it. They're still living it. The writings from the apostles, the epistles, have not been yet all written. So it's not been collected. So when Paul says preach the word, the message of God, the revelation of God, he's referring to the scriptures, the law, the prophets, the teachings, and he's referring to the oral teachings of Jesus that have been passed down, the message about salvation and the cross. And so they're starting to put this together, if you will. So even though the word of God hasn't been written down on paper yet, they're, they're understanding that all of this is what we teach and it's, it's sound doctrine. Why is it sound doctrine? Because these guys are eyewitnesses. They were there when Jesus spoke. They were physically present. You can trust it. They were there. They saw his body. He was raised to life. They touched him. More than 400 people saw him. This is reliable. This is accountable. This isn't just so, some idea that somebody dreamed up and said, you know, I had this dream. This isn't Pastor John's dream now, okay? This is the word of God. It's reliable. It's sound. 
Teach people it. Correct them, rebuke them, encourage them. Because the time is going to come when they're going to be looking for their own word. They're going to look for their own message, Timothy. So teach them the word of God. Then in James chapter 1, James says, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God that he's planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your soul. Humbly accept the word of God. Do you see this brick? It's like every time we receive the word of God and we put it in us, every time we read it or hear it or, or listen to it and we accept it and we put it in our lives, it's like adding a grain of sand to this brick. It doesn't just say we have to hear it. It says we have to receive it. We have to put it into practice. We have to add it to our lives. If I gave you a grain of sand today, every one of you, as you walked in this room and said, this is your life, you have a choice to add it to what God has already said to you, or you have a choice to just go like that with it. How long is it going to take you to build a brick if you do this most of the time? We keep adding what he said. We receive it. We don't just listen to God's word. We do what it says. Otherwise, we fool ourselves. Not only that, but the apostle John comes along. And he says, in the beginning, the logos, the word, already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God, and he existed in the beginning with God. The word became human, made his home among us, and he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. He calls Jesus the word of God. We have to receive the word of God, Jesus, the teachings of the law, the prophets, the poets, the, the things that Jesus taught, we receive all of it. We read it, we study it, we meditate on it. We put it in our lives and we, we are building a life that will last. In Hebrews chapter one, long ago, God spoke many times, many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Those reliable words, those messages that Peter already said, you can bank on them. That's how God used to speak. But now, he's spoken to us through his son. God has promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. So how does God speak to us in the last days? Through his son, who is the word of God. He's the message of God. He's the revelation of God. He's who God is is. See, Pastor Tom, why does all of that matter? Let me tell you how we got this book. The Old Testament was the, the law, the prophets, and the people in the New Testament referred to it, they made it solid, they passed it on to us. The New Testament, the early church fathers as the apostles had died away, verified that the gospels that were written were written by men that were eyewitnesses. They were with Jesus. They were with Paul. They, these are the accurate writings. There's other letters out there that some people, this is called the canon of scripture. This is the word of God to us. From those scriptures, 
I believe we see that this book has been given to us and as much as what they say is the word of God, this is the word of God. So even though that book wasn't written when they wrote about the word of God, for us as we read and interpret that scripture, this is the word of God. And if you are going to build a life that lasts and you do it and you try to do it without daily reading, studying and meditating on this book, it won't happen. It won't happen. This book is very, very important. It's not even a book. It's a collection of books. This is the message of God's revelation from beginning to end. This tells us who he is. It tells us his character, his nature. It tells us uh, how to live our lives. This book is the word of God. In the Psalms, in Psalm chapter 1, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But instead, they delight in the law of the Lord. They meditate on it day and night. And they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. They are becoming, they're building lives that are built to last. Because why? Because they are meditating on the law the word of God, day and night. Most of us in this room probably read this fairly regularly. But it doesn't just say read it, does it? It says meditate on it. It says study it. When you begin to study it and you dig deep into it, that's when you begin to get more sand on your brick. You know, if we're not doing this, when the storm comes, we won't stand firm. Psalm 119, how can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. So I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and it's a light for my path that's this book read it study it meditate on it obey it receive it walk in it you have a life that's built to last that's logos the word rhema in the new testament was that other word for word of god that word as i said was i believe means a single message in other words this is the word of God. But when Paul writes Ephesians 6, 17 and says the word of God is the sword of the spirit, it's that dagger, he doesn't use logos. He uses rhema. The single message. What's the difference? Well, in Matthew chapter four, Jesus says, he's being tempted by the devil and the devil says, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus says, no. The scriptures, the Old Testament writings, say people do not live by bread alone, but by every rhema that comes from the mouth of God. We don't just live by reading, studying this book. We live by the words that right now are coming from the mouth of God. Okay. Hebrews chapter 1. We already read verses 1 and 2. Look at verse 3. The sun 
who, remember, God speaks to us now through his son. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. He sustains all things by his powerful rhema, word. You right now are being sustained by the word that comes from the mouth of God. Not that came from his mouth, but that comes from his mouth. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. Have you ever been in a a place where this book, the Logos, the word of God, was taught and someone walked out the door unchanged? If faith came from hearing the Logos, then just sharing this book would save everybody in the room. But who gets saved? Those who hear the rhema. Those who the Spirit takes that word like a dagger and he sticks them. And it pierces their heart. And they repent. They do what the word says. That's the sword of the spirit. Now here's the thing. If you're not in this book daily and you're not studying it and you're not meditating on it and you're not creating some, what's the spirit drawing from? How's he going to help you in your battle to, to take a, I mean granted he could still do it. He could still drop a word in our spirit. But this book is our guide. Remember, this book is sure, it's certain. It's not something that someone dreamed up in a back room somewhere that's sound. And how do I know that when I'm praying and a a word that the Lord speaks gets dropped into my heart, how do I know it's really God? I test it with this book. And if what I think God is saying to me contradicts what he said here, it's not him. It was that simple. It's not him. It's a lie. I don't care where it came from. It's a lie. I don't care if it's the devil. I don't care if it's a fiery dart. I don't care if it's my flesh. I don't care. And so we we need this book. But this book alone is not what we need because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Nowhere in the New Testament are we taught that God wants to stop speaking to us on a daily basis. Nowhere are we told that God wants to, because here's the thing, we live by it. I need him to speak to me. If this just becomes dry words on a page, I'm not going to be alive. God wants to speak to us. And as we study it, as we test it, he does. Sometimes he speaks to us in an audible voice. Sometimes he speaks to us in a vision. Sometimes he speaks to us in a dream. Sometimes he speaks to us in a sermon. Sometimes he speaks to us through a book. Sometimes he speaks to us through a movie. God can speak any way you listen. He's always speaking. We don't listen near enough. And it's because some of us think he stops speaking. You believe the lie somewhere that God no longer speaks. There are two words for word of God in the New Testament that remind us, even though though you've got this book, and even though it's solid, and it's gonna teach you how to live, and it's important to get it in your life, you've gotta hear his voice. You've gotta hear him speak. 
And if you wonder, I, Pastor Tom, I don't understand why I can't beat this addiction. I don't understand why, why I, I can't, you know, I, I read the word every day. Are you hearing his voice? He's got to speak to you. Regularly, he's got to speak to you. Now, I believe God still speaks today. I believe the rhema word is important. But I will, I will tell you, I believe that some people take it to an extreme level in Pentecostal charismatic circles. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the word of God is sharper than the sharpest two-edged dagger. Same word from Ephesians 6. It's the same dagger, same word, not sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. You would read this. What's the word for word there? Is it logos or is it rhema? I mean, Paul says the sword of the spirit, the dagger of the spirit is the rhema of God, that spoken word that comes to you. You're in the middle of a battle. There's demons. There's all kinds of things flying around you. And all of a sudden, this word gets dropped into you. It's, the, it's a single word. It, it, boom. And it does. It, it sets you free. That is logos. That word is logos. See, because some of us think, I gotta hear God speak. True. But don't forget, he did speak. And this word is still just as powerful as that rhema word. Now, we don't live by bread alone. We got to hear him speak. I, I need to be intimate with him. I need to have a relationship with him. But don't sell it short. This means that when God is silent and you're, I can't hear him speak, this is good enough to carry you until you hear him. Don't give up trying to hear him, but pay attention right here. Because sometimes the reason you can't hear him here is because you're not hearing him here. Does that make sense? Oh God, I need to hear your voice about this decision I need to make. And I've asked you to cut that thing out of your life. I've told you, I don't know how many times I put it in here, that, that you're, it's destroying you. But God, don't you understand? I've got a deadline. And he's like, you know what? This is so much more important than any deadline you're facing on earth. I know that that feels like it's so important, but this will destroy your soul. And so sometimes God doesn't give us the rhema because we don't listen to the logos. Both of them are important. We read the word, we study the word, we meditate on the word, we obey the word, we get it in us, and we listen for God to speak to us regularly. The logos and the rhema. We're just about finished. Ephesians chapter two. Look what Paul says here. Together, we are his house. And we're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The Old Testament, the teachings of the apostles, the cornerstone of Jesus Christ himself were carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made a part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So you and I are collectively becoming the house of God. 
And in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says there's some apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists. You know why? Because as human beings, we have a tendency, when God gives us a rhema word, to go like this. This, because like, remember the, the logos is like a grain of sand. You're adding it to what you've already had. But when God speaks something, it feels like this, doesn't it? You ever, you ever hear, you just, you read something you've, in the scripture you've read before, or God in a moment of weakness just drops something on you, and you're like, man, boom, it's a brick. And we think that the rhema is way more powerful than the little grains of sand. And you know what we do? This is how we get revival, guys, right here. This word I got from God, this is the most important thing. And you know what we're supposed to do with that word of God? We're supposed to add it, even though it's a big brick and we're excited about it. I mean, I'm, I get excited too. But here's what the church does. We get excited. And then we just, we act like this is all that matters and it's not all that matters. This book says there's a lot of stuff that matters. And so we got to figure out how to take this word from God and get it where all of it comes together. And that's why he put apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists together in the body of Christ. Because evangelists is like, it's all about souls. It's all about the lost. And the apostles are like, no, it's about sound teaching. It's about doctrine. And the prophets are like, no, it's about sin and getting people. We got to get sin out of people's lives. And the teacher's like, no, we got to teach people how this layer goes on this layer and this layer. And if they all would just work together, they would understand that they're all important. But to the, to the evangelist, this is the, the only thing that matters. And the church just sometimes looks like a bunch of crazy people waving bricks around. Because we haven't learned how to take the, the word God has spoken and just diligently put it where it goes. And now, please don't, I'm not trying to stifle the spirit and I'm not trying to, to, to do away with, I'm just trying to say, hey, that word that God spoke is exciting. It's like a brick that just got dropped on you. I get it. I've been hit with a few of those things myself. But I gotta figure out how that fits on what I've already learned and been taught. That doesn't nullify the other stuff. Now, if something like this comes along and it contradicts something else that I've been taught and I go to the scripture and I realize, hey, that thing I was taught over here isn't in the scripture, it's not true, then I replace it. But I don't throw everything else out because God spoke this word and we've got a lot of people running around from church to church just trying to figure out, hey, does your church believe this brick is the most important? Does your church, oh, I can't, I got, I got this word from God. Who do you think you are telling me that's not from God? Well, of course it's from God. But where does it go? You belong in the house of God with the people of God who've got other bricks. And when you put all your bricks together, you build a big house. And sometimes God gives this one that word and this one that word, not so you can see who's right, but so that you can have a more complete house. Does that make sense? We need to study the word of God. Right there, 2 Timothy 2. Study the word, know the word, put the word into practice. But we need to make sure we're hearing the word of God, the rhema. Next week, we're gonna talk more about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit speaks and what he speaks into our lives. We know that if we're gonna have lives that are built to last, the foundation of our lives has to be the cross and the resurrection. That's that cornerstone. 
And we're gonna always come back to that. That's the thing that matters most. If there's one brick that you wanna hold up, hold up the cross and the resurrection because that is more important than the rest of it, okay? That's the cornerstone. But everything else has a place that it's gotta fit. And we've gotta get the word of God in us so that whenever a brick like this hits us, we have to find out whether it was the Holy Spirit or the enemy. Okay, here's the thing. You can't trust the source. That means just because it's your favorite preacher and it hits you, doesn't mean it's right. Does that make sense? Just because it's me and it hits you, doesn't make it right. Whenever there's a word of God like this, it says test it. It'll fit here. If it doesn't fit here, it's okay. I mean, it might be just a, an encouragement. And it, you say, well, but it doesn't say anything about it. Well, maybe it was just an encouragement to get you over a hump. Maybe it wasn't something you're supposed to build your life on. This is what we build our lives on. Because it's tested, it's sure, it's a foundation. Make sure you're listening to God speak on a daily basis and make sure you're listening to God speak what he's already spoken. I hope that makes sense. Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you for sending your son as the revelation of who you are. He is the word of God. God, thank you for giving to us the revelation of who you are from beginning to end. Thank you for the logos. Thank you for, God, the word that we can hide in our hearts that's gonna teach us and train us and help us. God, help us to listen for your, your rhema word, to hear you speaking. God, we know that every day of our lives you're speaking to us. Help us to have ears that hear what your spirit is saying to your church. God, help us to take the things that you've spoken to us and apply them to our lives. Help us to receive the word that's implanted. Help us to receive it into our lives, to put it into practice and to grow. God, help us to take the things that we're learning, the things that you're doing, and continue to grow together and be built into the spiritual house that you're building in this city. God, we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. So Holy Spirit, continue to guide us, continue to help us, continue to strengthen us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, I want to encourage you, if you want to spend uh, time in prayer, if you've been, not been prayed for and want to be prayed for, uh, we will make the altars available and open to you. But if you need to be dismissed, uh, please uh, feel free to do that at this time as well. Don't forget tonight uh, at 6.30 at the Huron Christian Church, the James Valley uh, ministry, student ministry team is putting on a presentation. Um, it's called Grace. And if you have not yet seen it, I'd encourage you to be there tonight at 6.30. A powerful presentation about the grace of God. God bless you as you go.